right, here we go. It is podcasting time and I've got Cheryl Wasama joining me in the podcast studio here at the Rove Hotel downtown Dubai. We're going to be talking about mental health. Cheryl's at Vivamus. Vivamus. Why does does that not roll off my tongue? Vivamus. It's just easy. Vivamus. 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 There we go. That's where you live. (laughs) (laughs) But you join us and we get to talk about mental health and more. I I call it my sneaky little checkup because we just just get to have a chat about getting these checkups and I don't know, it just seems to roll off me very nicely. This is your mental health checkup hour. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? And this is kind of fun because there's so much going on and we were talking a little bit about COVID stuff. Yeah. Are you are you getting a, a lot of folks who are coming in who are just feeling overwhelmed with the amount of information, the amount of talk, the amount of unknown about COVID these days? I think what I'm seeing is um, quite a few people finding it hard to adjust Mm. Um, and return back to some kind of normality because of COVID. And now with this new variant starting, um, I'm sure that's going to be raising people's anxieties even higher. Adjustment's a big yeah, one, isn't it? And adjustment's major. Like Some people are still super cautious about going to the mall, to going out to eat, to do anything that they used to do. So, yeah, I think it's still very much in the mind of, of quite a lot of people. I, I find it's the little things and I keep, I, you know, as I'm talking with friends and with family and that's the other problem. So adjusting is a big one, but friends and family aren't necessarily all where we are and okay. we're coming to you from Dubai, but you know, this is cosmopolitan and we are expats and we travel and we go home. So I've got friends and family in different parts of the world who've got different things on their mind about this new way of life that we've we've ventured into and i find that stressful because it's not an equal playing field yeah one thing that i find quite interesting that you're absolutely right where depending on where you're talking um about different people have different issues what i like about here in the uae it's been quite easy we yeah. wear a mask there's no yeah. debate about whether to you know <laughs> wear a mask or not everyone just wears a mask and people get a vaccination and there's no big, you know, challenges from an anti-vax uh, point of view. And I think what I'm hearing from friends and family in different parts of the world, I think it's all of that confusion around yeah. how to manage it, isn't it? It's interesting you just mentioned anti-vaxxers because I know a few anti-vaxxers mm. and, and I know a few anti-vaxxers here and it's interesting talking to them because I'm clearly not an anti-vaxxer. I mean, I've got the multiple yeah. vaccines. You know, we went first with Sinopharm, then ended up with the Pfizer. Yeah. So I've had double vaccination. And my wife and I were actually sitting around the table yesterday and people are, are hearing about booster shots now. And we're going, yes. you know, we, we might actually need a booster. But our, our first thought was, you know what we're going to do? Uh, on our own dime. Is that, a, is that an expression that you get, get in yeah. the UK as well? No, on your own time, I think. Did you say on your own dime? So, yeah, uh, so, you're going to pay for it yourself. Uh, yeah, on yeah. Your, yeah, yeah, a yeah, dime yeah. being uh, one of the, the yeah. uh, you know, a 10 cent piece in Canada. Is We're going to go pay for it. And we're going to get an antigen test to see what what levels of antibodies do we actually have at this point, having had four doses of two different <laughs> kinds of vaccines. Because we're thinking, look, I have no issue getting a booster. I'm, I'm keen to get a booster. But I also want to know, do I really need a yes. booster at this point? Yeah, that's a really good point. I never thought about getting an antigen test. And they're not that expensive. Yeah, so it's I a good idea. I know Colin Thomas had one, and he's a We Will Fix It guy. And he said his numbers were like through the roof. Really? Yeah, because yeah. Okay. he just wanted to know. He said, I, I just want to know what's going on. So I'm going to go do that. But the people I know, back to the, the other side, the people I know who are anti-vaxxers, I mean, I, 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 mean, I listen to their arguments, I think they're flawed, but that's, yes. that's fine. I mean, yes. you know, and, and I, and it's funny because they're talking, they're saying, no, we don't know. And I said, do you own a mobile phone? Do you own a computer? Do you drive a car? And go, yeah. All of those are using operating systems that are constantly being updated and they don't know actually how they always work. And have you ever had to reboot? That's because it doesn't work 100%. So this is our world, right? And, you know, polio, 
Yes, I was yeah. say that. <laughs> Measles, mumps, rubella. Yes. Did you get those shots? Exactly. Chicken pox. You know, I mean, come on, people. Anyway. Exactly. That's yeah. what I want to say to people. Yeah, yeah but you've had TB. <laughs> yeah. You've probably had diphtheria. You've probably had mumps, yeah. measles, yeah. and rubella. Do you so, get tetanus? Do yeah, you get tetanus? Yeah, and, exactly. And do you take vitamins? And, you know, where do you stop, right? So, anyway. And, and so the interesting thing, though, as, as I'm talking to some of these anti vaxxers, is the noose is tightening on the things they can do. And there's legitimate fear that I'm not going to be able to do stuff. Yeah. And how's this going to impact on my, my lifestyle? And, 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 and all I keep thinking is, are you watching the news? Because the people who are in the hospitals are the people who haven't had the vaccine. And I don't want you giving me the vid. Yes. So it's like <laughs> yeah, they're showing that more and more, especially in the States. Yeah. That's the price people are paying for not having had the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and look, it's a great debate and I, and I don't want to go down that road, but it, it, it clearly causes a lot of people to be thinking more about these things and it's, it's causing stress. I think that's it though. To be fair to the anti-vaxxers, I also just wonder what is it that it is in their yeah. mind. I think obviously this huge amounts, I think they, they represent high anxiety, don't they? They, mm. they speak to the fear. Yeah of what this um, pandemic is about. Um, and I, I dare say within the anti-vax movement, there is a lot of anxiety. Oh, there's tons, there's tons. Yes. And, it, and it's just fear about science. Yeah. It's fear about the rollout. It's fear about corporatization of our society. You know, we're, we're so, this is the other one that gets me. So I'm a communication guy. And, and people are up in arms about the corporatization of of healthcare and the small number of corporations that are creating all of these different vaccines and these different antidotes and, and things. And, and do you have the same concern about your media? Have you ever looked to see where all of your television, film and information is actually coming from? Mm. Because if you look at that, it's eight giant companies that own everything. Yeah. No one seems to be concerned with the fact that you're getting a standardized, uh, set of narratives coming from one corporation across all of its different types of media. Yeah. So I was like, do people compute that? That's a really brilliant <laughs> argument. Do, but do people, are people clued into that? No, I don't think they are. Right. I don't, I mean, you know, look, and I'm, I'm not just go Google it online who owns the media and, and there's wonderful lists, but, and some of them are a little dated, which is even better. Cause then you can see how things have changed in the last few years. But I always take Disney as an example, the Disney corporation. And what do we think Disney? We think Disney and we think theme parks. We don't think about how much media they own. They own tons of stuff. Tons, tons, Mm. including, you know, major network in the United States. They own it. It's part of their thing. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's incredible. They control the narratives then. Yeah. I mean, do they have someone at the top saying, we don't want to hear these stories? Maybe, maybe not, but there's clearly going to be, some form of homogenization of the slant of stories that are going to come through those different channels. Yeah, I think it's quite, we mustn't digress, but I think that's, <laughs> that was quite an interesting point about the American election, though, isn't yeah. it? Is how the media did yeah. control what oh. was made available. And I thought that was really fascinating just watching. Yeah, because there's no legal rule that, that in, the, in, in the States that any network has to air all of the presidential candidates. In fact, you only get the you only get the main ones. Yes. But there are other people running for president. Yeah. That you know they're never they're never invited to the debates. They're not given they were given barely any media coverage because they don't have to. Yeah. Well, it did used to be fun watching some of the candidates that you think, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. anyway, so it was it's interesting with that whole thing and and where that leads and oh man. But you know what? This is this is kind of cool because we, we in, leading into the new year, we want to talk about self esteem and and those and that, that really has a huge impact on our mental psyche, you know, just, and we were just talking about looking in the mirror and, and I do these crazy yes. dances. I, I've now started labeling the doctor dance, professor dance, really bad dance because right. they are really horrible. But, and it's funny because people, and my mother-in-law being one of them, uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, but I, I hope she does. But my mother-in-law sends me a message. Why are you doing this? I'm like, why are you putting the... <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and so that you know, I get, I get this, this, and I, I can just see her sitting there going, I, what? This, this is on my feed. Yeah, it's like why, why? Like, there's no reason for. It. And then in the next breath, I get a, a message from someone said, you know what? You made me smile. Yeah, you make me laugh when I see those and that, dances. And, and, and that's as soon as someone sa- says that, I just go, that's why I do it. Yes. I want people to. Laugh. Yesterday's was my my one of my favorite ones because I had I was in back of a, a car, of the Land Cruiser, and I said. Today I had a royal audience, and it's Sheikh Mohammed and Sheikh Mohammed, Mohammed bin Zayed and Mohammed bin Rashid, smiling, you know, giving a thumbs up, and there I am dancing in front of them. And I said, "This is the best." And I'm sure the people who own that vehicle were looking out the window, going, "What is he doing?" I did cover their license plate because I thought, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't yes. exactly know these people, so I found some something to cover their plate. And uh, but it's just fun. People are writing me; and they're just going, "You know what." You're making me laugh. I think it's really funny. I think it's what Dubai needs. It's <laughs> yeah. so funny watching you in the different locations. And I know it's getting hard. You got to pick them. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you move and you're taking it so seriously. Uh, well, yeah. and I can see you're not really taking it seriously, but it it makes me laugh out loud when I see it. See, yeah. that I've succeeded then. Yeah. and that's kind of where where we. That's got nothing to do with where we want to go today, but hmm. <laughs> but it's in that vein. Is is we, we have a we have a definite plan and coming up so I'm going to fore, foreshadow what we're going to do I'm going to forward promote that's okay. the word forward promote we're going to talk about the holidays but not today in our next podcast okay. we're going to talk about the holidays and we're going to talk about it from that perspective of you know, getting together with your in-laws, not getting together with your in-laws mm-hmm. children who have got to now watch you navigate not getting together or getting together with your in-laws, you having a discussion with a spouse or a companion about <laughs> where to go, who to go, what to go. And then there's money, then there's this, then there's that. There's uh, trying to create this perfect Christmas. Yes. Yes. It's very stressful. Uh, it's, it's hugely stressful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's a big one. You know, I, and I, I, and I got to share this one with you. So we, we've, first of all, my, my boys grew up in the UAE. Mm. So the UAE to them is home. Right. So they're Canadians. They're in Canada. They're living the dream in Canada, and they're coming to the UAE for Christmas because, as they said, we went we went back two years in a row because of, of it was just easier for us to travel in for them. And they go, no, we want to have a real Christmas. We're coming to the UAE because oh, right. the yeah, real Christmas is not snow. Really? <laughs> no, a real Christmas. Yeah, it might be a little it's chilly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's open up the door. You got the Christmas tree, and it's a pair of shorts, and you're just hanging out, and we're having some fun. Oh, that's so, so nice. And they're going, but and people are going, but you're Canadian. You go, yeah, but uh, that's not Christmas. <laughs> so, but we when we went back for Christmas, we took Christmas with us in like suitcases. We took our own tree. We took trees. We took ornaments. We took stuff. We literally brought Christmas to where we went, which my boys absolutely appreciated. They, they said, you know, it's not quite like being at home, but it's got the feel That's of being amazing. at home. That's yeah. amazing. That's dedication Just, to take the tree. Oh, at home, I took it in a box. Did you? <laughs> yeah, we did, literally took it in a box. Someone said, "What are you, you thinking?" Why don't you? Just, that's what they were saying. So, so then the, 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 the last year when we did it, we actually went and got a real tree. It was so hard to find. There's like a tree shortage. And so we, we got this rental car and it was like something out of a movie because we got this <laughs> rental car and we got the tree and I'm looking at the top of the rental car and I'm looking at the trees and I'm going, oh, we got to get, we got to get this tree on the, the car. And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll go get you some rope. He brings back this thin twine like thread. <laughs> yeah, thread and he's, he's wrapping it around, wrapping it around. He goes, that'll hold. And I'm going, you think? <laughs> Go two miles an hour. Yes. Oh, that's what we were doing. Yeah. Hand holding the tree, yeah. <laughs> and and the boys are just going, "Yep, this is a Christmas." Yeah. <laughs> but so that's where we're going okay. in our next podcast. So next time we'll talk about Christmas, yeah, and or holidays because maybe you know maybe you're not celebrating Christmas. Maybe yes. you're just going to have holidays, but it, it, it's the same deal. Yeah, and it's it, I find it really interesting talking to anybody about relatives or family and the expectations and how do you manage that and stress levels go up everyone's stress level goes up yes okay that's a good one so we'll, we'll i can there. guarantee you now there'll be a couple of hundred people or more in dubai <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we, you know what we're going to do that one and we'll get it up right away because as, as anyone who listens to these podcasts would realize that there seems to be a delay well there is because from the time that they're recorded to the time that we do it but that one will get up 
lickety split right away. So it'll okay. So now I'll try and think of an action plan. Okay, you think yeah. so? Now you got a plan. So this I'll is give not you an that, action plan for surviving Christmas. Yeah, that, that'll be perfect. Or the or the holidays, as they say yeah. in the states. Oh, okay, yeah. wait. Yeah, the holidays. Yeah, the holidays. The holidays. Yeah, we call it the, yeah we call it the holidays. That's what we call it. Yeah, the festive season. Yeah, yeah, the whole happy holidays. Yeah, okay, perfect. So where are we going today? And that's, this is kind of good because we're like 14 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> rain it back. Rain it back and let's focus. It's a professional podcast. You know, we know what we're doing. It, it, this was an interesting one because actually I didn't send you this topic. I, I mentioned mm. it to you as you came in the door because yeah. we were going to talk about something else. And as I was sitting here getting ready for the show and I was, I was actually making some notes. I went, this is the topic we need to talk about. And it's, it's kind of a, a precursor topic to everything we talk about. And I don't think we've ever spoken about this, but we've talked a lot about mental health and why we need to go mm. see therapists and the role of the therapist. It's, it's great. But we've never spoken about what to expect and how to prepare and what's it going to be like when I come and see you or come and see another therapist? Like what's, yeah. And I, the reason this topic came to mind is I've been talking with a number of friends and colleagues about therapists and, and look, there's a lot going on. It's that time of the year. It's the end of semester and things. And, and, and it's, it's the end of the, for, for many folks, it's, it's the end of the year when their books are calculated and jobs are coming and going and, oh man. And, and more than once I've heard people whether I'm, I'm out eating, whether I'm just out for a jog and you hear people talking and you hear the word, you know, maybe I need to go talk to somebody. Yeah. And that's usually how it starts. Maybe I need to go to talk to somebody. And as soon as someone says that, there's this great, and, and you hear that sound. Cause as soon as it's going to talk to someone, it's like, well, what, what, I don't know who to go talk to and what's it going to be like? And what, if, what, what are they going to find out? And what am I going to learn? And what's going to happen? And, so much stress mm. thinking about starting down this process that is only going to help somebody that I think a lot of people don't end up going. I mean, I think lots of people think about it. Then they go on Google. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 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 what I'll do is I'll go on Google, I'll go on YouTube and I'll see if I can work it out for myself yeah. or I'll have a look in these journal articles and see if I can work yeah. it out for myself. And then they don't get around to booking the appointment. Yeah. So, so when, when, you know, we've, we've decided I want to book an appointment and I've made that, I've done it. I've called, I've called, you know, I've been recommended by a friend and they said, Hey, I've got a place, give a call. There's a number of therapists there. They're going to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. So I've made a call and I've got an appointment. What, what do I expect on my first, my first appointment meeting? Yeah. What do we, do we even call them appointments? Do we call them meetings? Do we call them counseling sessions? Do, so what do I expect on my first you know, first time I come and visit you and what should I do to prepare? Mm. Okay. That's a good question. So the first, the first time you come to see a a therapist, it is called an appointment, but we'd refer to it as an assessment appointment. Mm. And the assessment appointment is really the first point of meeting to explore the current difficulties that somebody is having. Hmm. And you may require more than one assessment. I mean, oh, really? Some, okay. Yeah, because obviously it can take time. If there, there's sometimes people come with a lot of background. Um, you know, the, the story is quite dense. Um, there may be other issues that come up in the session that we might want to further assess. There are different questionnaires, for example, okay. that we might need to apply. Do, do you- I said between one to two sessions, you need to put aside for. Um, an assessment prior to my first appointment do do you send me an assessment package or something that i fill in a questionnaire just so that you get a lay of the land do do we do a pre-assessment assessment assessment? Um, we don't do a pre-assessment what we ask people to do is complete a questionnaire and that just gives us a little bit of an idea about the nature of the symptoms mm. that is somebody is having. It okay. helps us understand whether you're having problems sleeping, whether um, you're having uh, symptoms of anxiety, if you're worrying too much, if you had any suicidal thoughts. It gives us just a little bit of an idea about what your general mood has mm. been over the last couple of weeks leading up to the appointment. So when, when I come to the appointment, I come to my first assessment, it could be multiple assessments. Mm. 
is what's what's the room like is it a couple of chairs it is a desk is it the so you know because we've got all got the movies we've seen and you know robin williams lying on the sofa and and or the <laughs> saturday night live skits and what's what what do i expect uh, well, I would say in terms of our clinic, the good news is we've recently just moved into some new space. So we saw that. I saw yeah, photos. We've got beautiful new beautiful, offices. Yes. Beautiful looking. Um, so hopefully you're going to come into a really nice environment. Um, you know, I'm not a psychoanalyst. Oh, bless you, James. <laughs> oh, sorry. Excuse me. Everyone is saying I'm sneezing everywhere. <laughs> I do have a sofa, but I don't have a couch, so you won't be expected What's to... What's the difference between a sofa and a couch? Well, it's I what you see... Well, no, no, when you go to an analyst room, like if you think about Freud, people laid yeah. out on a couch. Oh, okay, a yeah. Like a chaise lounge. They yeah, laid yeah, back, right, yeah. And the therapist sat behind you and... It's not the way it works. It's not the way it works, <laughs> no. So it's just... Nice little Afghan blanket on there. And yeah. Like, no. It, no, there's nothing like that. So it's just... It's just a comfortable room. Okay. Yeah. And a couple of chairs kind of like this? A I mean, of got, chairs. Got a couple in, other in my chairs room, here. I've got a chair. I sit in a chair. Then I have a sofa that the clients sit on. And then just the usual things you'd find in a, a consulting room. I've got a desk, my laptop, phone. Mm. And it's a, a very nice, peaceful environment. Okay. Um, so it's completely uh, soundproofed. It's completely safe space that you're going to come mm. into. Um, I think maybe people build up too much in their mind about what they think is going to happen. And often what I will say to people is, it's like having a conversation and, or there's a little bit one-sided because I will be asking questions, but really that is what's going to happen in the first session. So when they, 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 some that you must get situations where a client comes in it's that first meeting. It's the first assessment. They've come, they've come into Vivimus and they've walked in and they're, oh, that's really nice. And walk into your office and you close the door and now it's soundproof. And, and there's that moment, well, you'll go take a seat. There must be that moment where the air is somewhat charged and you must feel that anticipation. Actually, to be fair to most people, um, it, it's not as frightening as people think it's going to be. Hmm. I think by the time people get to the clinic, they've had some contact with our lovely reception staff. Um, I think by, at that point, people are a little bit calmer. What takes people by surprise often is how emotional they will get. Oh, So people will say, but I didn't feel tearful before. I knew what I was going to say and I don't understand why I'm crying. Um, and so I think it's just that there's a buildup of emotion that once you're in mm. that space and you're beginning to think um, about what brings you to the appointment, there's often a release of emotion, and mm. that's just completely normal and to be expected. You you said I want to back up a little bit. You said so once we once we're sitting down, where we we you start asking questions. There's there it it, it ultimately falls on the the, the client the. I, I, don't, I want to use the word patient, but I, I think that's just the wrong word. Well, it's interchangeable. Some people use okay. patient, some people use client, um, depending what setting you're in. When I worked in a hospital, I used to think more of patients. Okay. Yeah. Is, do, you, do you find for most people, because of the environment and, and the expectation, that conversation flows pretty easily? Yeah, I think people are usually amazed at how much, but that's the other thing people say. <laughs> I can't believe that I've just, you know, said so much. I've done nothing. Or people will come to their second appointment and they yeah. will apologize. It's not uncommon for people to apologize oh, really? and say, oh my goodness, I, I just talk so much. You must pull you. You mustn't have had a chance to breathe or maybe I didn't make sense. Um, so I think once people come into the room, um, there's either a release of emotion, which is perfectly fine and mm. to be expected in some cases, or once people get on a roll, they're just really happy. I think there's such a relief yeah. to be able to tell the story. Um, so that's some of the things that can happen. It, 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 one of the, the things with having all of these conversations, and as you said, it's just an opportunity to talk in, an, in, in a protected safe environment because as much as you can talk to a spouse or a good friend it's great but there's a lot of baggage tied into that and those people that you might be confiding with might be part of the problem yeah absolutely so i can i can totally understand how it's just an opportunity to talk and not have to 
think about where this conversation is going to lead down the road. I mean, in the, in the sense of how it could, and, and again, the wrong word, but weaponized uh, or how it might come back or it might inform the relationship or might change the relationship. Yeah. The thing that I think is amazing about therapy is that it is completely confidential yeah. and it completely protects your other relationship. Which is amazing, actually. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's, the, it's the ultimate buffer. It's the ultimate buffer because it will never leave the room. No yeah. one will ever know that you've had a conversation about somebody that you do actually love and care about, but maybe you're having some problems with. Unless the person chooses to tell that person, yeah. it remains completely confidential. I, I love the idea, and I was just thinking about this, when someone's, you know, someone's going to go for some counselling, you could just say I'm going to a doctor's appointment because ultimately you're going to a clinic yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's just different kind of clinic, but it, it just creates, yeah, I'm going to an appointment. No one asks too many questions about that because no one wants to know about those things. And yes. how was your appointment? Yeah, it was excellent. Mm. Yeah. I think there is that concern. I think if you come to therapy and you're having that confidential conversation, yeah. I think your nearest and dearest might be, quite curious about what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, right? Yes, like, is it me? Are you going because of me? Or Yeah. yeah. But I, I think I would normally say to people, it's obviously their choice what they choose to discuss outside of, the, outside of therapy, but it is really, it's a private space. Mm. Um, I come from my first appointment. We, we do an assessment. What happens at the end of the first appointment? Like, where where do we leave off? Where where do you leave off with with the people you're speaking to? Well, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's say what might happen in the assessment, okay, just yeah. so that yeah, people yeah, are clear. That's so, what I will always explain to people, tell you how long it's going to be. So, usual first appointment is can be about fifty minutes. It might be a okay. little bit longer. Um, I'm obviously going to be, I'll always say to people, I'll be interested in finding out what you're, why you're here, what the current difficulties are. There'll be an exploration, a little bit of your background in the first session, just to, just to get a sense of, um, you know, family. But mm. we probably wouldn't go into too much detail about that in the first session unless it was necessary. And then, you know, we begin to explore the issue and I might make some comments as we go along and clarify some points and towards the end of the session, I will begin to summarise what I have understood uh, from the person and begin to, you know, provide some insights into what I think is going on. So, Mm. for example, somebody may not be aware that they're depressed, but during the course of the assessment, I probably have been able to pick up a number of factors that would help me form the view that, this person is suffering from depression and I might share that with them oh, and okay. think with them about what that means and what the various treatment options are for that. And so that, that all happens in your, your first visit? If it's, if it's yes. Um, it might be that we've got to meet again in order to further explore. Depends. Okay. People come with different levels of complexity. Mm. Um, so... The more complex the case, the longer the assessment process might be because there are so many other factors that you have to um, take into consideration. How, how long would, would you have between the first visit and the follow-up visit? What I say to people, ideally, the appointment should be one week apart. Oh, okay. that, that's in the perfect world. <laughs> but, Why one week? Why is one week the magic um, number? The magic... Because... When you le- what happens after a therapy session is it will stay in your mind and certain certain memories will come to the surface. You'll start to piece together um, the story that you've been telling. Different elements of the story that perhaps you hadn't included will start to become apparent. Certain emotions might come to the surface, and that's quite a ripe time to come back and just to keep the dialogue open. Mm. If you don't come back for a month then a lot of people then just close down again and convince okay. themselves they're okay. Mm. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have the same immediacy in their mind anymore um, unless they're really struggling. Okay, yeah. so once you... So I guess... So between one to two weeks, what I say in the perfect world a week, okay. um, but most obviously, you know, if we have to be realistic. People have lives, people have jobs, oh, they've got yeah. family. It's not always possible... 
It's also from a financial point of view, if people are self-funding, um, that can be an issue. But I'd say within a week to two weeks okay. um, would be a good time, a good length of time. Do, do you often, when when someone finishes that appointment and you're, you're, there's going to be a second appointment or a third appointment, do, 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 you, do they leave with things to do? Do they leave with homework per se? I mean, that's the wrong word also. So, but do they, do they leave, okay, I want you to, before our next appointment or leading up to our next appointment, I want you to start doing this or thinking about that or, or, or. Yeah, depending on what the issue is. So for some people, I might just ask them just to maybe keep a note of, of any of their symptoms. Do they notice um, uh, when their symptoms might be worse? Is it first thing in the morning? Is it in the evening? Ah, okay. Those sorts of things. Quite often I will send people resources. Hmm. So I might send them quite a big one on the use of video and written materials. I might send things for people to review just to help clarify maybe more in their mind um, uh, what what the difficulties are. Do they recognise those symptoms? Do they recognise what other people are talking to? Does that sit with them? Is is an appointment... Uh, when I mean, of course, this is generalizing things. When a patient leaves one of your appointments, when a client leaves one of your appointments, do they feel? Do, do they tend to feel uplifted? Do they tend to feel exhausted? Do they tend to feel and you know, what, what? What kind of feeling do people have? I think it's a. I think it's all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, if you're going, if you're sitting down and we're talking about you know things that have been going on in someone's lives and and and, and unfortunately something that's happening today in someone's life probably has a number of different triggers and there's probably some little thing that happened many years ago where someone just didn't do something or say something that is just and as you start peeling back these things and they start to understand and realize and start to think about it a little bit i'm just thinking man that 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 sounds to me like it'd be exhausting it's exhilarating too because you find oh this is it's making so much sense but exhausting as you're thinking about that as well and trying to piece it together i think it can be exhausting some people say it feels like a relief to finally Mm. have had enough you know allowed themselves to talk about something that they've been carrying with them for a long time Sometimes it will increase your anxiety levels once you start to talk about certain aspects or if, we're, if you've been focusing on your symptoms, for example, yeah. you might have an increase in those symptoms for a while. So it's a mixed bag. Um, how, how many, you know, the, once we open up the door to start coming for therapy, I mean, it, it depends on everyone, right? It depends on what we're coming for and depends on what comes out in these conversations. Is is it does it become a lifelong engagement then is this just become another thing that we do i know we talk about the six month mental checkups does this just become something that we do on a you know bi-weekly basis or monthly basis or yeah so it depends what people are coming for and what level of commitment they're able to make so you know in different places where i've worked in the uk and less time less here because i haven't been here as long but you might see people in weekly therapy for a number of years. It can be mm. five years. It can be longer That's a long than time. That. Yeah. But that is a really, for some people, that is really necessary and it's a really valuable process. And okay. that is actually really quite interesting of, you know, being part of that progress and that change over yeah. a long period of time. And I've got a couple of people here now that I've been seeing for quite a long time and they're just in a regular routine. They're either coming every week or every two weeks mm. and that's been going on for a couple of years. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of times for many people, we have, we, we have the, the vision of a therapist, again, from TV and from movies. And we always see that, I got to call my therapist. Yeah. Is, does, does, does that happen? No. I got to give Cheryl a call. <laughs> no. Not really. But what people are really good at doing, which I always encourage, because sometimes okay. people have finished their therapy. We've done a block of work. They've yeah. finished. But always, um, if people are beginning to struggle again, I ask them to get in touch sooner rather than later. And what's mm. lovely is I see that. So I may not oh, see okay. people for several months and that's all a good sign, but they yeah. might have had a little bit of a blip, a little bit of a setback, and then they do call 
the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's something and I- book an appointment or they might email me and we're able yeah. to. But the lovely thing about that, once you have an established relationship with your therapist and you've done a piece of work, is that you can pick up quite easily. Yeah. yeah. And so we were able to do some work. Maybe we'll just have a one session or we might have a couple of sessions and then the person goes off and gets on with their life again. So it's a bit like having a doctor. That's what I okay. try to say yeah. to people is that in some cases, you don't see the doctor every week. You may have gone through a period of yeah. illness. You've had treatment and then you're recovered. You're getting back on with life, but then you might have a, a flare-up of symptoms, in which case you need to have a little bit of treatment again and then yeah. you get better and you move on. So I want to, I want to, I got a doctor analogy and you could say, no, this never works. Mm. I used to sit down and, uh, have Sean Petherbridge come on to the podcast okay. and we would, we would talk about medical stuff, kind of like with Dr. Jenna. Mm. And he would, he would talk about his experience in the clinic. And he said, men were the worst for this, but he said, it, this, this would happen all the time is you'd have someone come in and they'd come in for X, Y, Z things and you'd be sitting there. And then as they're leaving, it was the door handle. Oh, and one other thing. Do you, do you get that in, in the therapy sessions as well, where you've had a long talk and then as someone's leaving, they just have a little bit of extra they want to fire out? Yeah, not really. I think that okay. is more, I think that is more what happens in the GP surgery. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way. Yeah, by the yes. way, I got this thing, which is really what they were coming for. That's exactly yes. what they're coming for. I think when people come to therapy, um, they've usually got an idea about what they think would be helpful. Mm. Now, what can happen is over a, a longer period of therapy, pieces of information become more available to the person. Maybe they haven't thought about the link between this event and the symptoms they're having now. Right. And through that process, they start to, oh, actually, you know what I should have taught? I should, did I tell you about this? I'm sure... I think this is relevant, but I, had, yeah. I hadn't made the connection before. So that tends to be more what happens in, in therapy. The, I'm, really, I'm really curious about long-termers. And that, I mean, you must get clients, as you said, that, that come every couple of weeks and it could be go on for months and months. It, can there be a finite end where they only need to come every six months? I mean, is that, is that the goal ultimately with therapy sessions to get to that point? Yeah, all, all therapy will eventually have an end. I mean, you, people won't come for their entire life, mm. but that's usually done through a process of negotiation for people in longer okay. term therapy. Um, you will, things will start to emerge um, in the therapy where you, you begin to think, the work or this piece of yeah. therapy is coming to an end and then we'd start to plan for an ending. Okay. Um, so you actually start working towards an end. You work towards an end oh, okay. and we'd that's probably cool. space cool. it out. It might be that you work on an ending over a four month period or a yeah. six month period where you're just gradually tapering it down and then you might have your final session and then some people go off into the distance and, and you, you never see them again and by that I always hope that whatever we've done together has been useful and they're mm. you know now leading a more meaningful and purposeful life for themselves yeah. and then as I said people are also welcome to book a follow-up appointment or to come back at any point yeah. um, and it's those wellness checkups that we keep talking about it's like yeah <laughs> and obviously for lots of people it's for personal development, quite a lot of people come for longer term therapy because they're investing in, it's like personal development. Mm. So you might come in the beginning with a burning issue yeah. and you do a lot of work around that. And then as time goes on, there'll be other things that you begin to use therapy for more, maybe perhaps addressing more immediate issues yeah. in your day to day life. I, I, I'm really also curious mm. about the folks who have, have come and they've, they've finished. We've, we've done what we needed to do and you're happy and they're happy. And that whole setting people up to be able to move forward effectively, but also to be able to recognize, you know what, I need to come back. And 
it's it, it just sounds to me like so many people and again this has nothing to do with therapy this is relating it back to the medical world where someone's had an injury or they've got a reoccurring injury and they go get it sorted out and then they know that when this starts to happen and that starts to happen this starts to happen, i need to get back in there yeah but they wait oh no it'll sort itself out oh no it'll be okay uh, does does that also tend to happen with therapy i think it i think it can happen but i i do quite a lot of work on helping people um, understand the importance of addressing symptoms mm. early on because if you address things before they take root it's much easier yeah and there's no I don't know what you'd call it there's no certificate for enduring <laughs> well, I, was wondering, I don't know do why I get do a you, card there's no medal for enduring no, you don't click through it's no. not like a, a frequent there's, flyer thing no. there's nothing there's no, no points no, or anything no. for <laughs> persevering as long as you can with being miserable or anxious or something like that yeah. is you have the symptom it doesn't say anything bad yeah. about you but why don't you come and have a chat yeah. and um, let's see what's actually going on? Because not every set of, not all symptoms are a sign that you're sliding back. It could right. be that you've maybe been going through a stressful time or mm. something's happened and maybe old ways of thinking have been activated again and we can, you know, quite um, quite easily start to address that. Which is a big, Which is the big issue, isn't it? Because at the core of what, you're doing in a session is trying to help people enact new ways of thinking and dealing with situations. But those old ways that you've been dealing with since you could start walking and talking have been working and working and maybe badly, but that's what you do. That's your coping mechanism. That's the way you deal with things. And now we're going to do it a little differently Yeah, and it's easy to just slip back. It's, it's comfortable like a nice pair of slippers. Well, I think it can be like a nice pair of slippers, but we don't want you to wallow in those. Well, they're smelly you? though. Yeah. They're, they're old and they're, 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 they're frayed and really they don't work anymore. You're holding on to them for sentimental reasons, but you need to get something new. I, I think what's really interesting though, what I really find interesting is when people come back and in a way they've become their own therapist. Well, that's a good thing if you've been yeah. coming because that tells me that you've been listening and you've been Uh learning and you recognize that people will often come back and they will know that they're in a little bit of trouble, but they'll be able to, they'll be aware that something is happening, that they're thinking in a particular way again, or they're reacting in a particular way again. And they recognize that they're playing a part in that Mm. and that there is a way out of it. Does that make your role more difficult when someone's already doing this, starting this no, if no. if you've been in therapy and we've been doing work together, it's really encouraging when people come back and they understand what is going on, but they just need a little bit of help mm. out of the loop. Mm. Yeah, so they can observe it, they can recognize it. Yeah, and they just need a little bit of coaching around maybe some of their skills or we need to process something a little bit. Do, do you think of yourself as a, more of a coach than a therapist? No, I think yeah. I'm, a, I'm definitely a therapist, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But sometimes you, when people have had a long break from therapy and they're coming back in uh, for a checkup, um, maybe you're just coaching people back into using their skills again. But no, I definitely, I'm, I don't think I am a coach. I think I'm, yeah. Is, is it exhausting what you do? I mean, I, I, I mean exhausting in that you're, you're, you're getting, in a sense, embedded in different people's lives and the different complexities of what they're going through and you're, you're making sense of it and you're, you're, you're helping them to discover new channels and new ways to deal with things from, from the therapist's point of view, it must be exhausting. Well, it can, it can be, it can be tiring. Mm. Um, some mental health conditions are more complex than others. Mm. And so sometimes dealing with those sets of symptoms and finding creative ways of helping somebody understand their symptoms and to find ways of managing that and deal Mm -hmm. with setbacks that can be quite challenging but i think it's it's tiring because it's it can be um it can be a long day yeah Um, but i think just what i will always say to people because people ask this other question is um yes it's tiring but (sighs) Remember, you have relationships with people. It's not a fake relationship. Like You are genuinely interested and curious when your client comes back to hear 
how they're getting on mm. and in some ways that's actually quite uplifting is, is do you find there's a, there's a lot of emotional engagement as well so it's not just the physical side of things but there's there's a lot of emotions that you start to sh- to really get embedded with your clients as well and, and i mean that in a good way but that's that's also an area that that can make you just it that can be exhausting hmm. Yeah, I have to think about that. Obviously, it can be tiring. Yeah. I would be lying if I said it wasn't. <laughs> but I don't. That's what you train for, though. So I mean, this is. This I think is, that's the thing: is you are trained yeah. to deal with um, a certain amount of yeah. uh, stress, and you're trained to be focused in a particular way, and you're trained to have boundaries so yeah. that you're not being so drained. But yes, obviously, just I'm human, and just like everybody else, sometimes. It, <laughs> You can get tired, but I don't yeah. think that's something that yeah. I've been at it a long time. I don't think fatigue is always the one for mm. me. Yeah. So, so when when you were talking about some folks come for a shorter period of time, some co- folks come for a longer period of time. If if I'm engaging, going to start engaging in a therapy session, what what should I have in my mind is the time commitment i'm gonna to have to give to this i know we've talked about you know every week or so probably at the start is good i know there's no blueprint and there's no you know it's going to be six sessions and you're going to be okay okay so the first thing to say is it all depends on what the issue is mm. yeah and the complexity of the issue um will have some bearing on how much time you would be advised to invest in having therapy um we I work around certain clinical guidelines. I use the UK guidelines, which are called NICE, um, and they give recommendations for the minimum number of sessions required for an effective treatment. And so I try to stick with that. So it can be anywhere between, say, 8 and 16 sessions, depending on the condition, and it can be many more, again, depending on what somebody is presenting with. And then there will be different ways you work. You might see somebody individually. You might have to see them with their partner. Sometimes you have to do family sessions. So oh, wow. there is different ways in which we're working. And keeps some, it really interesting. It keeps it really interesting. And some people will just come for one session and that maybe they've had something on their mind. Mm. They find the session really helpful. And it can work, like depending on what it is, one session might be all it takes? For some people, okay. that might be that's all. They may not really want to do any further exploration on something. Mm. Um, but what I do say to people, there's no quick fixes. I and I think key. you have to just treat it a little bit like going to... <laughs> it's like getting physically fit. Yeah. Is that it can take a while to get physically fit. You cannot get abs in six weeks, regardless of what anyone will tell you. And mental processing takes time, so there's no quick fix. And therapy is not really linked to how intelligent you are, because often people think people think that as well. Though people really think if they're super intelligent, that they will be able to do therapy, uh, therapy quicker because they're smart. And people think they know all the they've done lots of research, and so they know everything. But actually, what we're doing a lot of the well. A big part of what we're doing is emotional processing, mm. and that takes time. So there's no quick fixes. There, I would discourage people from seeking out quick fixes because people really want quick fixes. Yeah. And in some cases, de- again, depending on what the issue and the complexity is, you know, some people will do really well in, say, four to six sessions, but a lot of people won't and they mustn't go away thinking that they'd failed in therapy because they mm. went for four or six sessions and didn't necessarily feel that they made progress. That might just be, that's the beginning of the journey and you have yeah. to be patient with yourself. You have to be respectful of yourself and patient with yourself to do the work. Have, have you ever got to a point with, in, in a session where you, you know, you, you're, you're half, you're half a dozen, you know, contacts in, and you realize that maybe you're not the, the therapist they need? Yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, so, and that, that can happen in any setting. Yeah. So what we'd, in fact, probably what will happen is maybe in the first session, I might have that in my mm. mind, and that might be something that I mention to the person. Um, but then we might meet again just to think, you know, to clarify yeah. that. And it might be that they need another psychologist with another set of skills. They might need to see a neuropsychologist. They might need to see somebody who is more specialist in um, something like 
autism, for example, or okay. more specialised in, I don't know, trauma or something. Yeah. There, there might be different reasons why you would refer on to somebody else. And it's really good practice to refer yeah, on if awesome. you can't. You know, I don't like to work with anybody that I couldn't treat. I think mm-hmm. that's not acting in good faith. Yeah. And I always would hope that people... It's ethical. <laughs> well, it's ethical, yes. If you've got, you know, if you if during the course of the sessions we discover you have anorexia, then it's better to see somebody who's an eating disorder specialist. Yeah, for sure. Um, because I wouldn't be able to... It would be dishonest of me to say that's my area of expertise. Yeah. yeah. Right. So just always trying to... Be transparent, being open, and making sure that people are getting access to the treatment that they need. There's no, I have no interest in having people in my uh, practice that I can't treat. Yeah. Um, and I don't need to experiment. I've been practicing for, <laughs> I've been practicing for nearly 20 years. Oh, yeah. So I don't need um, to gain, there's nothing to be gained by yeah. me keeping hold of you. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, if you're if you're to, to to sort of sum it up, why we should all be seeking out at some point in our life, we're all going to need to go see a therapist. What would your advice be again to that person who's kind of sitting on the fence, saying, "I don't know if I should or if I shouldn't," or you know, what do I say? <laughs> I'm going to steal Nike statement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, just, just do, do it. it. Just yeah. the, don't keep thinking about it. It's not going to be. It's not going to be difficult. You're just going to come and see somebody like me, and we're just going to have a conversation, and it's confidential. And because it all stays in the room, this is the best thing. I completely mean, confidential. Yeah. No one's going to judge you. Um, I've, you know, I've heard many, 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 many stories. Also, some of the things that people feel really embarrassed about will not be unusual to me because Mm. that's my profession. I will have heard about some of the issues that you're struggling with. So don't sit at home worrying about... What is she going to think? What will she think? Um, Does anybody else have these things? I can guarantee you the answer to that is yes, other people will have very similar difficulties to the Mm. ones that you've had. Um, and just because you haven't been able to find much on Google doesn't mean that that there aren't people out there that will understand what you're going through. So just do it. Just come. There's nothing to, don't fear it. It doesn't have to be, it's no different from going to see your dentist in somewhere, going to see your doctor or. um, We need to have these conversations. I think more than ever, life is complex. Life is complex, especially since the pandemic. I think life has become much more complex because people can't access their usual networks in the way that they perhaps used to be able to because of all of these travel restrictions, for example. So, yeah, just whatever shame or embarrassment you have, just put it to one side and just take a chance. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Cheryl, this has been a lot of fun. All right. You made it easy. You you spelled it out. This is great. (laughs) I know where we're going here. This is, this is fantastic. And I, and I, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be going, you know what? Just do it. I'm going to do it. Just do it. Just do it. Our next podcast, we're going to be talking about how to navigate holidays. Yeah. All right. That's Looking a big forward one. to it. Okay. Sure. Wasama is at Vivamus. If you want to get in touch with her and by all means, keep listening to the rest of these podcasts, scroll back through what Cheryl's been talking about because great advice and just do it. Don't forget every six months, go get a mental health checkup. Yeah. Thanks for listening. So long for now. <laughs> <laughs>